The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Good, y'all. Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how you doing tonight, buddy? Hi, friends. I'm doing good. I, I'm fully, fully entrenched in like the move right now. It, it is a hectic time. It is, yeah, I don't, I don't envy you in any capacity. Like, obviously, being a, being a homeowner is very exciting for sure. But at the same time, the, uh, the logistics of it all is really, really bad. Also, I mean, it also means that you haven't had time to watch Moon Knight yet, which premiered I last th- night, yesterday, sometime. So, uh, three in the morning, something like that. Yeah, I think I think I might watch it after we record just just so we're clear it is currently let me look at this uh it's it's almost 12 30 when we started this recording so shows is going to stay up after this which is probably going to take us about an hour and he's going to be up at like 1 30 in the morning just starting moon night which i mean respect but i'm supposed to watch it with my wife but uh, i mean she'll never know she doesn't listen to this podcast that's what you get for not supporting me. She has to hear wife. you. She has to hear you enough already as it is. She she might just hear me through the walls, honestly. True. Yeah. We we podcast okay. late at night and sometimes we get as you folks know, we get a little bit riled up. So hopefully uh Christine is still able to sleep soundly through all that. I really hope so at least because otherwise I'd feel real bad. It's real hard to sleep through these hot fire takes and those dulcet tones, too. It, it reverberates, man. It's it really it's a does. blessing and a curse. It really does. Oh gosh. Okay. Uh so we're going to talk about relievers today, but before that, let's just do the usual social media thing that I think I forgot to do on last week's episode. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter. You can follow us at our shared podcast account that's in the deep PL. You can also follow us individually. Uh, Schwebzy can be found at Schwebzy. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I. And then you can find me, Jordan, at Bunt Singles. Um, and then also, if you like the podcast, leave a review on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, things like that. Uh, and with that, we're going to start with some relevant reliever news and then talk about some of the pitchers that we actually really, really like post 300. So Schwebzy, you kind of wrote up the little intro here. What do we want to talk about first in regards to relievers? So I will start off by saying that almost the entirety of what I'm about to say, what we're about to talk about is all thanks to Jeff Zimmerman of Fangraphs and his amazing and essential, uh, mining the news column. If you don't go to Fangraphs, to, and, and I'm absolutely promoting another website right now, but whatever, it's really good. We all lift each other up. Like let's let's make that clear. We all make each other yeah. better. And Jeff is a pillar of just like all the just. I mean, anyone who says that they don't look at Jeff's mining the news is an absolute liar. I don't even like promoting myself, let alone other people. <laughs> but I digress. Uh, yeah, it's a really invaluable column. Lots of closer news in the most recent edition, which was a two-parter. And uh, so over in Oakland, Mark Katze says that Lou Trevino should be the closer, which is good for him. Notable, yes. Uh, Chris Woodward does not want Joe Barlow to be the main closer, which is news. Yes. Uh, We all thought that Joe Barlow was kind of the shoe-in just by default. Honestly, I don't know who would be the closer there if he isn't. Uh, Spencer Patton is a name that's been brought up. 
I, I don't know. They don't have any good relievers. So just the fact that Barlow was half decent, I thought he had that on lock, but I guess not. Well, they've got a couple Greg guys H- that are on the IL currently that are probably going to come back mid-season or early on and might contend for that job too, if I remember correctly. Don't they have a couple guys coming back? I can't think of them off the top of my head. So Jonathan Hernandez and Jose Leclerc both had yes. Tommy John at roughly the same time last year, uh, around late March, April. So they might okay. they might be back for midseason late, but I, I don't really expect it. Okay. Greg Holland is also in that bullpen. Garrett Richard. I, I feel like Garrett Richards is a dark horse there. Did you call that out at one point? I I maybe just to you. I think so, yeah. I feel like it was you who was telling me that, that you think he might be a possibility. I think that's an interesting I definitely one said it. Yeah. So I just I just don't know what my audience was when I said it. Well, it was me. I I remember someone said it to me and I <laughs> Like not, we spend so much time together that it's like ninety seven percent that it's you that said it. So we we say so many completely inane things to each other that who can really keep track of it all? Just eyes but, glazed over because <laughs> we spend so much time together. <laughs> uh, so over in Chicago, seems like David Ross is not going to name a closer, and he's just yeah. gonna let it let it play out and uh, kind of adjust accordingly who uh, maybe maybe it's a hot hand situation maybe there is no locked in closer at any point we thought it was going to be rowan wick yes yeah, r.i.p to everyone who drafted rowan wick thinking that he was going to be the closer to start the season in chicago that's that's rough apologies specifically to my friend chris uh unforgettable fire a frequent stream participant who was a big rowan wick guy but now it seems like uh David Robertson is on the table. Michael Givens also. Both of them are have been paid a decent amount of money by the Cubs yep. this offseason. So that I mean, it's it's kind of been going around that if you want to figure out who the closer is, you follow the money. True. So that could be or Chris Martin even. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I know that Givens is a favorite a friend of the pod, Michael Ahedo. Givens was fun last year. He was he was very good yeah. uh, at times. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm definitely not taking any shots on anyone in that bullpen right now just because of how uncertain everything looks. But, I mean, it's something to watch and obviously monitor on the waiver wire once your leagues kick off for the year to see what's happening. I don't think I'm going to put in any bids, like, this coming weekend for any of the Chicago Cubs relievers. But, yeah. I I think if I had to, like, lay odds on it, I would say Givens at this point. But I'm I'm gonna be avoiding the situation. Like Robertson used to be good, but the key words there are used to because he hasn't been like a good reliever since 2018. True. Mostly because he just he's been hurt. He hasn't pitched. Yeah. You must stay and healthy. And now he's to gonna be, be 37. Pitcher. He's gonna be 37. Yeah, that's pushing it. Getting up there. We'll see. I don't. Yeah, I don't know, man. That feels rough. Um. Also, kind of an iffy closer situation you have down here is the Dodgers as well because they're just kind of like, eh, I don't know. Right. Daniel Hudson has been a popular one. Like Trinan? It's also yeah, been a name that's been thrown around there. Hudson has straight out said that he does not particularly like being a closer. And Blake Trinan has said the same because, and not because he doesn't like being a closer, just because he likes being in, in the most high leverage situation. And from a modern baseball perspective, I think those are the mindsets that you want in your relievers. But from a fantasy baseball manager perspective, we hate it. It's terrible. Um, Abolish the save. Just someone who. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone who I think hasn't gotten enough attention in this saves race, uh, given the various quotes that have come out. I kind of like Alex Vesia. Okay, I could see that. I I don't know if it's Vesia or Vesia, but. He's a, he's a lefty, but the Dodgers do have other lefties, so it's not like he's the only one. He's been effective, strikes out a ton of guys, has the, uh, you know, kind of has the peripherals he would want in a closer. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on him. I don't have any shares, but if it looks like he's going to get the opportunity, I'm going to be adding immediately. God, I would love Gratterall too. I just don't think, Gratterall is so much, like, he's, he's so stuffed, stuff over results right now. I know, but it would just be fun. It's just fun to see yeah. a dude effortlessly just sling 100 miles an hour with regularity. He's, I mean, if you've seen him pitch, you know that he looks like he's playing catch and throws like 102. It's so goofy. <laughs> it really doesn't make sense to my eyes when I watch him pitch. It's so fun. 
It is ridiculous. Uh, uh, and then in another part of the NL West, we've got Jake McGee. You, yeah. you cannot kill Jake McGee. He's back. He's here uh, we he's thought not he, going anywhere. Yeah, we, we thought that he may have lost the closer job after last year and, uh, you know, kind of passed the torch to Camilo Duvall. But it looks like that is not the case. Looks like Gabe Kapler is going to be going with McGee again. Yeah, I mean, to start the season at least. I think that Duvall eventually worked his way in there. Um, oh man, that's so rough. Because I know a lot of people were trying to f- take flyers on Duvall as a late saves target as well in a lot of leagues. But the Fangraph's depth charts projections currently have McGee with 12 saves, Duvall with 22, and Tyler Rogers with 5. I, I would not be surprised at all if all three of them split a bunch of saves this year. Honestly, I love Tyler Rogers, and I think he might even get more saves than that this year. His flying saucer slider is so fun. One of the coolest pitches in baseball by a mile. It's he so did. cool. But he's another one of those cool. Like he doesn't have the prototypical closer stuff. He yeah. doesn't strike out enough dudes. Everyone wants that closer that if there's men on base, they can get that big strikeout. Yeah, exactly. Um. Actually, I'm gonna sk- um, I'm gonna skip over the one that you have written down here next, and let's just go to the other sure. NL West one real quick, and then hop stay back on. up. Yeah. So stay well, in the area. Yeah, while we're in the NL West, let's talk about the Padres, which is still an absolute nightmare of a situation. A lot of folks thought that like Pierce Johnson might be the first person to get this role. That was kind of like the general consensus, I think, early on uh, with a lot of folks, and now it's looking like Emilio Pagan and Robert Suarez are the two most likely to get the role. Uh, I think. Man, they signed Suarez out of the MPB, right? Like, I, I personally did not watch any NPB baseball, so I can't speak to how good Suarez was there. Um, I just know that Pagan has closed before and has been reasonably successful in that role at one point or another, so I feel like I lean towards him. I don't know. Yeah, I guess Fangraphs does KBO stats, but not NPB, so I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know he, he did save, like... He saved like 40 games for them oh, wow. uh, in his last season over there. Dang. Okay. Yeah. So definitely a possibility. I mean, this is similar to the Cubs situation in that, you know, anyone can take the job and run with it, but mm-hmm. different in, in that these guys are all really good. Yeah. I mean, like the Padres bullpen is good. It's just that there's no one that's like a clear cut favorite for this role. And it feels like it's going to be five people fighting for scraps throughout the season. It feels like it yeah. feels like it's going to be really, really patchwork. Yeah, there, I mean, there's like seven guys in the Padres bullpen that could wind up running away with the closer job, and I would not be surprised. Yeah, I don't know. This, yeah, this is rough. Um, I'm not. Ah, gosh. I mean, I have shares of Suarez right now. Yes, you do. I, I, I will. I will come out and say that. If Lamette does get that job, though he could wind up being one of those truly electric closers that like strikes out a hundred guys. God, Lament would be so fun too. Oh, see, that's the thing. Yeah, is these but, are incredibly frustrating from an, like a fantasy baseball perspective. All of these situations, they're super hard for us to like, just ascertain what is going on and what's going to happen. We're not psychics. We're not going to be able to say with any certainty what any of these are, but from like an actual, like just baseball fan perspective, some of these closer fights are actually really really fun there's a lot of very Um, like high high fun outcomes i'm not a psychic but i can tell you who's gonna get hurt you yeah (laughs) just look at look at my look at my draft boards that's exactly who's gonna get hurt oh god buddy i'm so sorry what is it now like five of your top nine picks in tgfbi have been hurt yeah on march on march 31st yeah it's it's fantastic yikes uh all right, uh, let's hop back up to the Marlins that we skipped over. Uh, closer by committee? We, yeah, we thought this one was going to be more clear cut. We were very excited about Anthony Bender, but now word is from Mattingly that they're going to be going with a closer by committee, which is much less appealing because uh, base is there and he's very mediocre. And uh, Richard Blyer is more of a weapon against lefties. So, I mean, I, I guess situationally, uh, Blyer would be a really good play there. But again, just from that traditional closer strikeout stuff kind of perspective, Bender is who we want to see there. 
He's the most dominant pitcher in that bullpen. There's no reason that he shouldn't just be handed that role. But Mattingly is going to manage his team how he wants to manage it. Um, and Poorly? I'm not. No, no nope. I'm, I'm, be, I'm nope. definitely being over-aggressive there. Yeah. Uh, although I do kind of want to say that I just really want Bender to have that role. Um, and it, yeah. it has nothing to do with the fact that I have multiple shares of Anthony Bender in a lot of my fantasy <laughs> leagues. Uh, Same. But... It's just very clear that he's the best pitcher in that bullpen, and I don't know why Mattingly wouldn't just hand him the ball. It just doesn't make sense to me. But again, I am not an MLB manager, so because he he hasn't earned it. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, it's not a capital C closer. I still think you should be rostering Anthony Bender wherever you can. Um. Anyways, uh, let's go to the Cincinnati situation, which we were all kind of high on Art Warren for a bit, and now it looks like there's competition there too. Uh, yeah. No, that that is the appropriate tone. We we are not sure. I was so sure that Warren was going to run away with things yeah. because he has the best stuff in that pen, and I don't think it's particularly close, similar to the Bender situation. But reports now are that Luis Sessa and Hunter Strickland are in the closer mix, which uh, Hunter Strickler being in a closer mix in 2022 is just... If that doesn't tell you the state of the Cincinnati Reds team, I don't know what does. Uh, yuck. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak to Art Warren's full spring training uh, performance, and I think this is pretty anecdotal, but the one outing that I got to see with him, he could not command his slider at all, and that's his bread and butter pitch. Um, The other ones, it seems like, I mean, he hasn't given up a run so far. He was just a little bit wild, I would say, in that appearance. Um, Yeah, uh, I mean, this is another situation where Roster Resource has five different people noted down as the closer. That is so silly. Like the, the three that the we thing, mentioned. Was this the thing last year? Did this happen with any bullpens last year where there was like that many people mentioned as possible closers during spring training? This, this is the worst I can recall it being. Yeah. Just so much uncertainty. But uh, on top of the three players we mentioned, there's also Justin Wilson and Jeff Hoffman who may or may not be in the mix. Hoffman is mildly interesting. Uh, he was a target yeah. of the uh, Spincinnati regime. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I, I guess they like him. He uh, strikes out a good number of guys. He's probably uh, next to Art Warren, the, the second best guy with stuff in that bullpen. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I actually rostered uh, Hoffman for a brief little while last year and got a couple good streams out of him, if I remember correctly. But uh, outside of that, nothing too interesting. The move to the bullpen, though, is curious. And I think, like, he's been pretty good so far this spring but yeah i mean i mean i still think that warren ends up taking that job most likely but i mean we're talking about sample sizes of like three innings but none of these guys have been bad in spring training yeah that is also the downfall of like the shortened spring training is even smaller sample sizes than we usually get which is a nightmare sample sizes it makes our it makes our job so easy yes the easiest um Let's see here. And then we had one. Oh, more. we forgot. We had one more NL West team. I forgot about them. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. We should have skipped to this one too. Anyways. Is, is there, is there a single lockdown closer in the NL West? I'm genuinely. Mark Melanson. Hell yeah. I'm sorry. Heck yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to get called by the, uh, <laughs> the FCC. Nick, Nick Pollock is going to burst through my window in SWAT gear. <laughs> uh i'm just imagining that right now and that's that's oh that's gonna get me through the, that's gonna get me through my friday just thinking about that <laughs> god we we need to we need we need to make a note of that and and a bleep 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 it out with the uh the ahead of bleep we gotta actually no i'm leaving it in so that way you get in trouble um i get <laughs> that's, to, that's i have the podcasts you don't you don't get a that's, say in this that is fair um, but yeah let's talk about the rockies real quick uh yeah can, so. can you can you read this bud black quote real quick because this just he wants a, he wants a closer quote who can strike out batters end quote and my response was I, are they going to sign someone uh, <laughs> like man this uh, is, yeah this I is mean, weird I don't know so the only guys in the bullpen right now who strike out batters at like a meaningful rate are Daniel Bard and Robert Stevenson. They signed uh, Colome, and we thought that that meant he would be the presumptive closer. 
But if you want someone who strikes out batters, then Calame is not your guy. So based on that quote, maybe they're going to go in another direction. Maybe we're going to suffer through another season of Daniel Bard, the closer. I don't know. And it is suffering because I had him in multiple leagues last year and I did not enjoy myself. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I am not particularly interested in trying to play that closer game, in, especially with the Rockies. Um, ugh. Yeah, no thank you. Um, I, Robert Stevenson is, is like mildly interesting, but he's in pretty much in the same boat as Bard. Yeah. I'm, I'm steering clear of the situation completely. I just don't. Yeah, I have, I have no interest in I, entertaining this I steal, I steal, steer clear of Bard like I do uh, Bard players in D&D. You're very much, both in real life and in D&D, a paladin. I am. The most black and white, right and wrong type person I think I know. If it's just if it's in a the personality. He- just in the heat of battle. Stop singing. Stop playing your lute. We're fighting. This is directed at you, Kyle Seiler. <laughs> <laughs> we were in a D&D game with Kyle. We're only, we're only kidding, obviously. Uh, but... Let's see here. Okay, can we talk about... Uh, we, we just talked about a lot of closers that we were just kind of ma- meh on. Can we talk about some relievers that we actually enjoy a little bit? I guess. You want to? I don't know. I'm, I'm in such a negative mindset now. Don't be. Why are you? This is our... Shrubsy, I mean, we should be excited because this is our last episode before the regular season actually begins. We don't even know what next episode is going to be because it's on like the second day of the season, which is such an awkward time to record a podcast. It's like, well, opening day was fun, huh? <laughs> Speaking of small sample sizes. The smallest sample size. Let's record it after the first inning of the first game. Ben Gamble is going to hit a home run in the first day of the season, and we are just going to you know, prorate his stats for the rest of the year yeah. and predict him to be basically Christian Yelich. At, at, well, I mean, Mike Yehetto would love that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah, we're just going to prorate it. I mean, we're going to record it. And at the time, Ben Gamble will be hitting 1000. It's going to be fantastic. He'll be on pace for 162 home runs. It'll be perfect. It's fine. Can't wait. Uh, all right. Let's talk about relievers here real quick. I'm going to start us off actually by talking about someone who's not really going to be in line for saves that often, but he is the second in command and also shockingly i'm going to talk about a brewer and that's devin williams going at 307 currently over the past week because we have a huge sample size over the past week of drafts because everyone's finally like getting in there and getting those done um i think at pick 307 at that point in the draft while he is not guaranteed to get saves necessarily or have that closer role obviously because josh Hader exists and is amazing um i think devin williams is probably the most dominant reliever that you can get at this point in any draft um and even though he is behind Josh Hader, who is a capital C closer, one of the few that we have left in the league, if Hader pitches a couple days in a row, Williams is going to vulture his save here and there throughout the season, and he's going to be pitching in high-leverage situations in front of Hader so he can get you some wins as well, which is fantastic. Um, and obviously, if you're in a saves-hold league, he's just disgustingly good. So you should be drafting him at this point anyways. Um He's been pretty good in spring training so far, and I know you're going to be like, we're not supposed to put that much stock into spring training performance. I don't care. Okay? (laughs) I don't. I don't care. He's been good in the past. He's been good so far this spring, and he's put up six Ks over three innings pitched. As usual with Williams, if he stays healthy, the K per nine rates are going to be elite. He's going to go like 13, 14 plus in that department. So you really, really want him there as well. I think the coolest thing, though, the cherry on top is that Williams is deploying a cutter slider combo type thing. There is a word for this that I'm not going to say on the podcast. So daddy Nick doesn't get mad at me. Um, the, the collider. Yes, exactly. The collider. Um, <laughs> but like uh, Williams is going to deploy this pitch more often in 2022, uh, which was reported by Todd Rosiak of the Milwaukee journal Sentinel. And so far this spring, it's gotten some pretty good results. There was an outing that he had against the A's where he struck out the side, all of them on swinging strikes on that, slider cutter combo so good results so far um i think that the one small little downside with williams is he does have a tendency to walk a few too many people which can be an issue so some might call him silento because you might see him hit the whip 
for anyone that gets uh. that. <laughs> that was such a that that was a Schwebsy level joke. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love but it. But overall, even with the whip being what it is, it's probably going to be in like the one point two range, which isn't amazing. He's still going to be a super awesome relief piece on your team. So at three hundred seven, snag Devin Williams. So a note on the ADP that you mentioned earlier. Yes. So we're using the last week. Yes. And that's particularly important at this time of year and particularly important for uh, closers because so as you heard in our previous segment, so much news has happened regarding relievers in the past week or two, and it wildly has changed ADPs. Jake McGee is being drafted around 250 right now. Yeah. He was an afterthought a week ago. So, you know, if, if you are basing your drafting strategy off of ADPs, pull the most recent data you can. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure you're prepped and ready because I know a lot of folks are drafting this weekend because they wanted to do it as close to opening day as possible. And especially with the shortened uh, spring training, uh, things are still clarifying in terms of who is going to have what role and very clearly we talked about all those situations that are still developing to this day um yeah it's uh, it's a nightmare i i have an i have an ale only and an nl only league and they draft on friday and saturday keepers were due i think it was yesterday yeah and the the number of closers that were kept is like stunning because everyone yeah. is very well aware of the the scarcity of like uh, like we keep saying capital C closers. It only gets worse with every single year that passes. It's it's disgusting. Yeah. yeah. Save holds, please. Let's go to save holds. Abolish the save. Get it out of here. Um. All right, Schwebzy. Let's talk about your reliever. You only did one, because honestly, like I mean, we looked through all of these relievers that are going post three hundred. There's not that many that we're super excited about. Um, and we also like, there was a couple that we had already talked about either on this pod or on other pods previously. We didn't want to like rehash that. We wanted to make sure they were right. giving you new info. So, um, like, yeah, we like Anthony Bender. Like if, if I had to talk about somebody, I would have chose, like, if I had to talk about a second person, I would have chosen like Art Warren or Anthony Bender. But yeah, we, we talked about them on the, on the wire episode we did. We've definitely talked about them pri- uh, pr- earlier in this off season. Yep. So it's it's funny a guy that i really wanted to talk about today was tyler wells because i thought he stood the best shot of stealing saves from cole salser but Mm. that turns out turns out the baltimore orioles are making him a starting pitcher which is interesting i'm i'm actually going to be keeping an eye on that because tyler wells uh peripherals were really nice last year uh all right so who i am going to talk about is christian javier we actually put out the call for mailbag questions in the pitcherless discord. We did. And one of, one of our new staffers, uh, Christian Crespo asked who is going to be the new Brent Suter. Uh, I, he gave another example. Aaron Maybe Loop. It was like look, Aaron Loop. Yeah. And uh, funny thing, I was already going to talk about the person who would be my pick to answer that question. Uh, Christian Javier. We got confirmation recently that Javier would be starting the season pitching out of the pen for the Astros, which is a bit of a bummer because he's started before successfully. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we all want to see what he can do in full-time innings, but it's also pretty cool because now we have a really, really intriguing bulk reliever candidate. After being moved to a bullpen role last year, Javier threw at least two innings in 14 out of his 27 appearances, which is not common for relievers. And he struck out 72 batters in 52 innings, which is great. Yes. However, I have conflicting thoughts here. We have a pitcher who has a 3.53 career ERA in 155 innings between starting and relieving. And he debuted with a 27.4% strikeout rate in 2020. And then went out and increased that by 4% in (laughs) 21 for a 31.3. For context, 31.3% strikeout percentage is basically what Dylan Cease did last year. And we all love Dylan Cease for his strikeout potential. And the reason where, you know, uh, Dylan Cease's haters are thriving is because of Cease's 9.6% walk rate. Turns out Christian Javier's walk rate is even worse <laughs> at 12.5%. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's very bad. Great. Uh, again, for reference, not a single qualified starting pitcher walked batters that frequently because you can't really get away with that as a starter. 
it's a, you know, easier to get away with it as a reliever. So we're still interested in Javier. I was looking at his uh, pre and post reliever numbers to try to pick out like some kind of trend or, you know, pitch usage change or something. But honestly, he stayed pretty much the same pitcher of both, you know, uh, pre roll change and post roll change. He very briefly added velo on his four seamer and then he lost it again towards like the end of August. And his four seamer effectiveness kind of ebbed and flowed with that velo. And I would argue really strongly that he needs to throw his slider more. It's a really, really dope pitch that gets a 38.4% CSW, and he only throws it half as much as his fastball. He's he's not quite a two-pitch pitcher, but his change in curve, he only throws like 15% of the time. And they're like neither of those pitches is as good as his, you know, other two. So, you know, they're they're there to kind of like steal a strike here and there. I, I feel like in shorter stints, he really, really needs to be using that slider more. I don't understand why he doesn't. Like, his his fastball is good when he has that extra velo. He's a lot like, like Eric Lauer he, in that way. Like, after Eric Lauer found that increased velo last year, he got much better. I know that Nick talked about that on the pod that he did, trying to, like, basically vouch for Eric Lauer that they did with, uh, what him and Alex did with uh, DVR and Eno. Yeah, I mean, there there are plenty of guys like that who, like, live right on that line of, like, where their fastball is effective and where it isn't. I think uh, Yusei Kikuchi comes to mind. There you go. Yep. It's a really good call. At the end of the day, I think what you can expect out of Javier is frequent multiple inning outings, big, big strikeout numbers, and too many walks. He picked up a couple of wins and saves last year, but his usage isn't clear enough at this point for me to say with any certainty that he'll pile up any of one or the other in any kind of volume. Being a multi-inning guy should keep him in the mix for vulture wins, and I think there's potential here for a leap if he does feature the fastball a little less and go ba- or or if he just gets that velo back because if he's sitting 94, he's a much different pitcher. On the whole, I I love Javier as a volume guy or or a sparp kind of a you know one of those relievers that you can slot into a starting pitcher role when you don't have any starters going that day so uh yeah I'm I'm a big fan of Javier this year and I I I didn't even mention you know the Houston pitching development system which has turned out a bunch of gems over the years that is true pretty consistently putting out good product down there which is encouraging as well I mean I think that like you said I think I'm most interested in him in a sparp role right and guys yeah. like this that get volume and like similar to like Brent Suter, um, who can come in and be a fireman and kind of like yep. occasionally snag a win because of that. Cause they're going to come in when a starter has given up three or four runs and is getting taken out in like the third or fourth inning. Like there's definitely value to be had with folks like that. So Christian Javier is a really, really good one. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. And then right after our break, we're going to talk about one more relief pitcher and then get to some mailbag questions. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show All right, we are back. So I'm going to talk about one more reliever here before we get to our slew of mailbag questions that we got from the Pitcherless community as well as a couple folks on Twitter. We appreciate those uh, submissions. Thank you for those. But let me talk real quick about Cole Seltzer. So Seltzer wasn't really on my radar at all, mostly because he is a Baltimore Oriole. (laughs) And (laughs) uh, that changed when resident Baltimore Oriole fan and uh I guess uh, would would this be one of our podcast dads technically Alex Fast 
and, and soon to be real real dad oh so, yeah that's true too we're gonna oh my gosh we're gonna have a sibling <laughs> that's so fun anyways um alex tweeted out regarding cole's ulcer that his change up last year had a run value over 100 of negative 3.2 so with a minimum of 300 pitches of that type thrown, he had literally the best changeup in baseball of any pitcher, and he had the eighth best pitch overall. That's pretty eye-opening. Um, on top of having a dope changeup, I think his slider actually underperformed last year. It had a negative uh, 1.8 run value over 100 as well, um, and the pitch got knocked around a little bit, but it was still like, I, I think he just got a little bit unlucky with it based off of the peripheral data that I was able to drag out. Um, an added bit of good news on top of this is not just that he has a couple good pitches. It's also the fact that Seltzer has been named the closer to begin the season after the Orioles decided to stretch out Tyler Wells, kind of like what Schwebzy mentioned earlier. And I found that courtesy of Sean Childs of Sports Illustrated in his uh, closer and bullpen rankings. Um, an opening day closer at Seltzer's current ADP of 437 over the past week feels like an insanely dope deal. So I'm jumping all over this if I can. If I, I mean, I only have one more draft left this year, but I'm definitely going to get a share of Seltzer if I can. Um, now, it doesn't come without its downsides, of course. Obviously, uh, one of them, it is still the Orioles. Um, they're not necessarily the greatest team. They're in a really tough division. They're probably not going to have as many leads as other teams do for him to come in and save games in. Um, also, Salser doesn't really have a long history of closing, so if he scuffles early, there's a good chance that he probably gets replaced with someone else and gives someone else a shot in that role. Um, but that said, at this point in a draft, you're willing to take a risk like this because it's very easy to just replace him with someone off the waiver wire. If you still have your draft coming up, save yourself the headache of trying to like bid fab on him or try to like fight with someone over the waiver wire. Just nab him as fast as you can. And don't be like me and have to try to fight for him in your uh, TGFBI league. Yeah, you know, I was kind of out on Sulcer. Yeah. But now that I'm looking at like the entire league closer landscape, I think he's like my 22nd closer. 22nd okay yeah i mean and that's yeah like like i would have had him down like more like 25 26 maybe even lower but especially with all the news that we heard today there are so many situations that have been thrown into new disarray yeah or confusion i i think i've moved salsa up to 22nd or 21st just because i know he's got a job which means he you know should be rostered everywhere exactly yeah i mean it's just nice to have some semblance of certainty with someone right like, even if it doesn't last that long, like, he could scuffle early on and, like, lose the role, but at least you went with someone who was a sure thing to begin the year rather than just taking a blind stab at someone. Like, that's all I can really say about that. Like, but again, he also has two pretty good pitches, and his fastball can be pretty good. It's about league average, I would say, based off of the, uh, mm -hmm. like, the P-Val and everything else that I was able to see. Um, He locates it well. He elevates the fastball. The changeup is located really nicely at the bottom of the zone or just below. Uh, the slider he maybe threw in the zone a bit too much last year, which might have been why it got knocked around a little bit. Um, but I think with some small tweak, he, he could be a very, very good reliever. So fingers crossed that this pans out. We'll see. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, th this is one where I am, I am more sold on him than I was before he started talking. You're welcome. So. You're welcome, buddy. This is, this is the effect that I have. I'm a very persuasive person, but only to shrub. I'm very stubborn. I'm very stubborn. So like when my mind gets changed on a player, it's, it's like a, it's a big deal for me. I'm, I'm surprised every time it happens. <laughs> it's true. I'm glad that I can have that effect on you. It makes me feel like when I could convince Schweb, you y'all don't understand. He is not kidding when he says that he's really, really stubborn. Like he and I butt heads, especially lately. I feel like we've had a lot of like conflicting opinions on certain players. The fact this off season more than last. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also because we hang out with each other a lot more often now. So we're more willing to just like say, nah, dude, you're, you're, you're nuts. You're absolutely yeah. nuts. Yeah. Um, but whenever I can convince Schwebzy to buy in even a little bit on any player, I take it as a nice small victory. It makes me feel really good. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Schwebzy, do you want to answer some mailbag questions real quick? Yes. We, uh, we, like, as I said earlier, we put the call out in the Pitcher List Discord, which is a good place to hang out 
uh, I'm being a shill for a second here. Which company is a good place shill. To hang out. He's a company man. <laughs> If, if you want to just literally ask us a question anytime or just participate in conversation, uh, occasionally you'll see a message from one of our many podcasts going like, hey, we're having this guest on. What do you want to ask them? Or we have nothing to talk about. What do you want us to <laughs> talk about? Say, hey, Which is what we did. Hey, help, help <laughs> us fill time, please. Please, please help us with content. Please make sure that we don't have to talk about relief pictures for the whole episode. Um, so we yeah. have both that method and then the google form that you mentioned earlier yeah i was gonna say also so if you're not a part of the pictureless plus community that's fine you can also submit mailbag questions to us we have a pinned tweet on our twitter profile again that is in the deep pl on twitter so just go to our pinned tweet there's a link there to a google form you can fill out and send us whatever questions you want answered we try to check it as regularly as possible and pepper them in every once in a while so feel free um the first question that we're actually going to talk about uh is a question that came in through our mailbag and it was from simon on twitter who did not leave their twitter handle as far as i'm aware i wasn't able to see it in the response form but uh simon says (laughs) 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 hey guys how about a deep dive on the pirates i'm in two nl only leagues so glad i recently discovered your podcast for this reason thank you simon uh, so I'm constantly mining bad teams for fantasy gold. When I look at the Pirates, it feels like a prospect dam is about to break. A lot of their guys appear to be on the brink of a call-up, while simultaneously so many of their projected starters are kind of crummy placeholders. After Reynolds, Cruz, and Hayes, the remaining projected starters can be benched or cut at some point. I know that they're bad every year, but it feels different this time. Like, we'll see many new faces in Pittsburgh. What are your thoughts on any of the following? Hoijin Park, Travis Swaggerty, Matt Fraser... Miguel Jahure, Jared Triolo, Diego Castillo, Nick Gonzalez, Tucupita Marcano. I could go on. I realize this is not a prospect show. Thank you. We know. We try to be better about it, but we know. Uh, (laughs) But many of these guys could very realistically be up this year. Thanks and keep up the great work. Well, I mean, one, Simon, stop complimenting us so much. We don't deserve it. Uh, And we appreciate all the kind words. Um, Schwebzy. What are your views on the Pirates in terms of a fantasy outlook for 2022? Like, do you do you agree with Simon? In in a way, yeah. Because it does feel like there's where we are about to see many new faces in Pittsburgh. That is for sure, hundred percent. The question for us is whether they'll be fantasy relevant or not, and that's where I become less sure. So, I mean, really quickly, blowing through the names that were mentioned, Hoijun Park. From a fantasy perspective, I, I'm not excited in, in the slightest. Travis Swaggerty, we haven't really seen anything from him like enticing since like 2019 at this point, before before the missed minor league season of 2020. Potential is still there. Dope name. Swaggerty is a fantastic name. That that's an 80 grade name. That's 80 grade, yes. Uh, but I just I I need to see something. I need to see something enticing out of him before I'm back on board. Yeah. Matt Fraser, which is F R A I Z E R, not the uh, traditional Fraser, which meant I we were looking for him and could not find him because we were spelling his name wrong. Con- so we're like, this guy doesn't exist. What is Simon talking about? The fine function was not working, and we were both like, oh, I guess he doesn't exist. Well, uh, so Matt. Fraser actually had a really impressive season last year in AAA, and of the names listed on the offensive side, might be the most likely to be impressive from a fantasy perspective, yeah. from a five-tool perspective. But I, I don't really think we're going to see him this year. Although I don't know, you know, he 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 was in AAA last year. He got 150 AAA. He's assigned to AAA this year. He had 150 plate appearances in AA last year. So there's an outside chance that we see a second half yeah. appearance, but I'm not really expecting it. Yeah, 100% post-All-Star break. If he, if he does get called up, I don't know. Not that. I'm, I'm, I'm not that excited about that. I'm not that. I'm not thinking that it's going to happen, but we'll see. Um, Tukapita Marcano. Eh. Like, it feels like a lot of these names are, like, hit tool first guys who just don't hit for a lot of power and don't have a ton right. of speed. It's, it's really, yeah. like, the the Pirates very, very clearly have a type. Yeah, the Adam Frazier, uh, Kevin Newman mold of guys that do batting average and not much else. Bane, and bane of my existence, Kevin Newman. 700 spring training hitter of 2020, Kevin uh, Newman. God, the worst. 
<laughs> I'm a moron. Anyways, you know, every time every time Jordan and I are talking about a big spring training performance, we always wind up bringing up Kevin Newman. Spring it's training just, god. It's, it's an in the deep meme at this point. But yeah, uh, Marcano, Diego Castillo, uh, Jared Triolo, all of those guys are kind of in the same boat for me where it's like you, you kind of have to hope they run because none of them, none yeah. of them have much in the way of a power tool. <laughs> power plate. None of them have like drills or, or, <laughs> or like uh, the only power tool not I know a, is a drill, not apparently. A, not, not a single one of them owns a screw gun. It's unbelievable. No, unbelievable. no nail guns between them. Yeah, uh, all of them have underwhelming power, and it's uh, to be an asset in fantasy. It's so hard to be valuable if you don't have either power or speed. Yeah, like it's just you. You basically have to be first half Adam Fraser last year and have a scalding Babbitt for a little while. Yeah, I think so. I think the one person that kind of got lost in the shuffle here for me personally, and I'm still going to beat this drum. I do not care, even though he is slated to be. Uh, platooned right now and on the short side of a platoon is Anthony Alford. I mean, the average is not going to be good. It's just not. I do think that Alford with a full season of playing time could be a 2020 bat. I think he has that in him somewhere. Um, and in terms of upside for the Pirates roster, I think that's my favorite person, although it's it's dangerous and could be actively harmful. <laughs> so... But but you need to you need to make sure that your team can afford that batting average and and compensate elsewhere. Yes, exactly. So that's pretty much where I'm at. I'm not that interested in anyone. But uh, Schwabs, you did glaze over someone, uh, Miguel Jahure. Oh yeah, that was purposeful. Yeah, Schwabs, got uh, Schwabs, Schwabs, got burned bad last year. He had a was it a weekly matchup where you tried to stream Jahure when he came no, up late last year, or what was it? It was it was in my NL only league, and it was oh. really really tight. Yeah. really tight coming down the stretch and i and i i talked about it on the podcast i said jahure starting i'm in i'm so excited for this start and he got absolutely blown up so um actually so i i i'm out on jahure at this point in time until i my my heart stops hurting but uh simon did mention something important in that there are a lot of guys in the Pittsburgh lineup right now who are not long for that organization, probably, like Greg Allen, Daniel Vogelbach. Sorry, Daniel Vogelbach, I love you. It's just, you know, you get passed around between a lot of teams. How dare you talk about my barrel man that way? So someone that wasn't mentioned here in in the question, and I mean... This so that there was a tweet I saw from Justin Mason that stuck in my head and I can't get it out of my head. He said that I, I don't know if he was joking or not. He may have been joking, but he said that this year's Cedric Mullins for him is Cole Tucker. Honestly, I love it. I and I mean he's got a couple home runs in spring training. He took Garrett Cole deep. That was cool. He took he took Garrett Cole deep, which makes me very happy. I'm sure made a lot of Pittsburgh fans very happy. I I'm, I have no shares. Maybe in my NL only league, I'll try to get him for a buck. Fair enough. I mean, but I mean, he's he's put some good swings on the ball in spring training. I he's hitting a yeah. He's got, he's got an OPS over a thousand in his twenty three plate appearances, but it is twenty three plate appearances, four extra base hits overall, couple couple of walks with uh, his six strikeouts. Again, it's just something that has stuck in my head. I saw it and I can't get it out of my head now. Uh, Much like Madonna, also, can't get you out of my head. Song was actually written about Cole Tucker. We do, we do love our Madonna references here on the 2022 podcast in the deep. Uh, we mentioned Miguel Jahure, and so did Simon. But the more intriguing pitching prospect for Pittsburgh this year is Rowancy Contreras, Absolute who came gas over from the Yankees. Yes. Absolute gas. He probably should start with the team. He's not going to. I guess the, right. I guess Bryce Wilson needs to get those innings. I don't know. He'll be up in short order, probably within the first month, right? Yeah. I mean, if it turns out that the the uh, Mitch Keller thing is a mirage, or if Bryce Wilson pitches like Bryce Wilson, and I am actually saying this just to uh, make my Braves fan friends salty, because uh, Bryce Wilson is a former Braves prospect, uh, I do think Romancy Contreras 
should be up in relatively short order. And man, he's got some filth in his arm. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that translates to stats. I dig in. I, I think, okay. I think we have adequately answered Simon's question. Simon, I hope that was, that was good enough. Um, we talked about the pirates for longer than I expected to. Honestly, we had more in us than I really thought we did. Yeah, well, I mean, good. when you combine pi- when you combine pirates and the deep, you get some treasure. When you have right? one brain cell to pass back and forth between two people, you can get a lot done. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just the himbos of the fantasy baseball world over here. Um, the bad boy black sheep himbos. Yes, we just keep accumulating titles for ourselves. That's going to be the bit this year. The bad boy black sheep him yeah try, black yeah, sheep try to himbos say, say it faster of, of the uh, say it faster. of the island of lost toys is that what it was the island of misfit boys the, the bad boy black toy. sheep himbos <laughs> of the pictureless podcast network and it's just going to keep getting longer from here on out so we have to remember that uh, okay let's uh, go to a couple more questions here at least let's uh, we got a couple here from uh, little piranha from the PL plus Discord thank you little piranha for these so first of all little piranha wants to know some sneaky one dollar save hold targets. And also, who this year's Brent Suter and Aaron Loop are? Well, so that was actually uh, Christian who did the Suter and Loop question, and that was uh, that was Javier for me. Oh yeah, that's true. You did say that. Fair enough. Um, but yeah. the one dollar save hold targets thing. So you're going to talk about a couple of specific players. Yeah. I want to talk more about like the theory behind it, like why, like what you should be looking for. That's fair. Uh, do you want to lead with that, or should I talk about my people first? Yeah, sure, sure. All right. I love hearing my voice. I'll talk first. Go for it. I think what you want to look for when trying to find these sneaky save hold targets is you want to find like an even run differential, right? You want teams that are going to be playing close games frequently, and so that those relievers get you know get those opportunities those mm-hmm. one two run games even you know even if it is in the sixth and seventh for those holds so i think like prime targets for that this year are the marlins the giants uh, the giants are going to be better than their projections but they do have a great bullpen mm-hmm. but the mariners i love the mariners for holds this year yeah, there's a wealth like, there for sure they have like six guys who could get saves but if they're not getting saves they're going to be getting holds your Steckenriders, your Diego Castillos, your Munoz. Um, I, I know there's more that I'm forgetting. Seawald, uh, if he's not the closer. Giles, when he's healthy. I, I think the Mariners are going to absolutely pile up holds this year. Uh, the Cardinals are another one. The Twins. All these teams that have, like, you're, you're not expecting to, uh, you know, have big offenses or, or get blown out a lot. Yeah, true. Um no, I like I like that process that you came up with. That's a really good idea and way to identify folks that I think are going to be good for me. It's like I'm just I'm more so of the opinion that I want folks that are going to be that just are good pitchers that are going to be put into high leverage situations but don't have a closer role, right? So for me, guys that come to mind are like Brad Boxberger who was really really good last year for the Brewers. Uh pitched a lot of high leverage innings and like I was genuinely drafting him in a couple leagues thinking that he before he even signed back with the Brewers thinking that, Hey, maybe he will sign with a team that needs a closer and actually get, get a closing role at some point. Um, but he just ended up resigning with the Brewers and I think that's going to be fine. He's going to perform well. Uh, he's pretty much, I would say third in line behind, uh, Devin Williams, who I talked about earlier and then also hater, obviously. Um, so I like Brad Boxberger. Um, I think Emilio Pagan with where he's going right now because of how weird that closer situation is. I think that this is probably not a bad or probably not a good uh, call out now. And he's probably gonna be more than a buck just because he is now more so in the conversation for getting that closer role to start the year with the Padres. Um, He might not be a quote unquote $1 save hold target, but I think he's still going to be pretty cheap just because of the uncertainty there. So, and also he's someone that could probably just step into that closer role because he has experience doing it before and has been successful in the past. So um, I think the other one is someone that we mentioned earlier in the episode because we love his flying saucer slider uh, is Tyler Rogers. He's just, he's just good. And the giants are going to be in a situation where they're where he's going to be coming in with either a close game or with a lead pretty often. I feel so. Um, although he is not like a capital C closer and he's not the first person you would think of out of that bullpen to pitch in a high leverage situation, 
he's going to be solid, just like he was last year, I think. Um, I think that he's a really, really good target, personally. What about your uh, what about your boy Michael Fulmer? So the report the the report uh, <laughs> the reports with Fulmer so far have been that his velo is like way way down, like three or four miles per hour Ooh. slower. So I That's am so good. incredibly tentative on pushing to pick up Fulmer now. Uh, he was someone that really early in the off season I thought that he genuinely was going to be challenging Gregory Soto for the closer role in Detroit. Now with Andrew Chafin signing there, it's even less likely that he ends up in that role. Well, so Andrew Chafin then? Chafin's going to be too expensive. I think Chafin's going to, just because of his track record and having like been a solid reliever at multiple points, I don't think he's a quote-unquote $1 reliever. That's that's true. It's also, it's you know, $1 in one league is not the same as $1 yeah. in another and league. And it's really hard to find like actual prices for a lot of these folks uh, like in auction leagues or salary cap leagues. Um. So we're just kind of going more off feel. And like a lot of these folks yeah. that are going late, late are usually going to be folks you can occasionally get during dollar days late in your auctions. So, yeah. And like I mentioned a, a strategy, it's not the only strategy. No. You can also you can also find good teams that are going to win a lot of games and have a lot of leads and have a defined hierarchy. So like that, uh, God, I can't believe I'm about to put this team in this category, but like the Mets. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you if you need holds specifically, you know that Trevor May is going to be a good target for that. True. Yeah. Uh, you know, similar similar to the Astros and Hector Neris. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. I mean, there's there are some very clear favorites for stuff like this. Folks that don't get looked at in obviously just like basic saves leagues because they're genuinely. Kind of, I mean, I, sh- I shouldn't say useless. That's not true. They still provide some value in some capacity, but it's just like if you only need saves, you're not really going to even think about these folks. But in the save hold leagues, they're going to be immensely valuable because they're going to put up decent ratios, not going to hurt you in your ERA, and then like they're going to pile on. Yeah. They're going to pile on the holds. So, yeah, I mean, really good targets are just like the the second and third best relievers on really good teams, like you know the the non Hudsons and Trinans in the Dodgers bullpen, exactly the the non Jansons in the Braves bullpen. You know, your Matt's ex, your Will Smith's now. That's true. He actually was, he was, he was kind of in our realm that we could have talked about as well, I think. Yeah. I think about that. That would have been maybe another good one to talk about because I think Will Smith will still, I mean, he's going to be a great value. Except for the people who drafted before, like, you know, a couple weeks ago. Massive RIP to all of those folks. That is miserable and I'm sorry. I, I, I don't feel bad for any of you because you drafted a brave. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not holding any grudges or anything, though. Once a Mets fan, always a Mets fan. All right. Uh, let's talk. I mean, okay. So it looks like we got a couple questions from our good friend Jay Hook, Joe Lowry. Let's actually save those for the very end, and let's just keep on the track of relievers, since that's what this episode was about, and that's what we just talked about. So, from La Williams, which relievers are you adding off waivers this weekend? Uh, for me, it's Sulcer. Pagan and I think McGee are probably the ones that I would go for. It's for, for me, it's really, I I don't, my answer tomorrow might be different from my answer today. Today I would say Suarez, Solcer, McGee, but we've already seen that McGee has shot up and is no longer going to be on waiver wires, you know, for for any leagues that have already draft for any leagues that are being drafted fo- from here forward. Yeah, I think this is the with the impl- implication for this is is that you've already drafted, right? Because he said which ones you're going to pick up off waivers this weekend, and now with the news of McGee obviously being drafted or, or sorry yeah. being pushed into that role. Um, I, I think Solcer is. Yeah, I think you're right about Solcer being the big one, just because his is the role that is clear now yeah i mean if lou if lou trevino happens to be on your waiver wire still you know if you're in a more shallow league we we know now that he is definitely the closer there uh i mean those are the situations that have come into the most clarity recently for the uh low drafted closer true uh yeah this this it's again this this question is gonna the answer to this question is gonna change every day as we find out like you know who the mariners closer is who the cubs closer is the dodgers etc 
it's a constantly evolving and metamorphosizing. Is that a word? I don't know. I just made it a word if it isn't. Um, situation. Like, we're, like hourly, we're probably going to learn more and more information about this in the next like two to three days. It's going to become more clear with a lot of these situations who closers will be. We could be oh, wrong God. by the time we release this episode because we're recording it on a Thursday and releasing on a Saturday, which I'm thinking about now. I'm like, oh my God. Oh no. Yeah. There's if a- Anthony, if, if base in Miami winds up getting like those saves, is it base or bass? I think I it's, always, I, I think, I think it's bass. Uh, if bass winds up getting the, the lion's share of the saves there, I'm going to be so sad. We'll find out. I mean, who, who knows what Mattingly will do? I know he likes his seasoned boys, but we'll see. Um, all right, and then the last question uh, about relievers from a uh, fellow podcast network member and good friend of the show, Steve Giuselli, who's actually submitted a few questions. So thank you, Steve. We appreciate it. Um, can you find me 50 saves with three picks post 300? So Schwabzi and I both picked three. It's the exact same except for one person on each of these. Um, I said Cole Sulcer, Anthony Bender, and Art Warren. I still think Art Warren wins that job in Cincinnati, even though there's a lot of uncertainty cast upon what that role is going to look like. But I th- the cream rises. Yeah, the cream cream of the crop rises to the top. Um, so yeah, Salser definite role. Bender best arm in that bullpen, and then Art Warren also probably best arm in that bullpen. So that's where I'm at. And I said Salser, Bender, and Suarez, just mainly because I I think. They when you sign a guy from who who was playing overseas and he was the defined closer for his team, saving forty plus games, mm-hmm. I just feel like he gets the shot. You know, maybe maybe call that a lower lower lowercase C closer. Potentially. I mean, I hope that he gets at least a portion of those opportunities early in the season. Um it would be fun. And for your sake, just due to the fact that you have so many uh so much exposure exposure and shares of I do. him. I hope that he does pop I'm just off. trying just trying to speak it into existence at this point. Manifest, baby. Manifest. All right. Uh and then like I said before, we have two questions from Joe Lowry. First one Giants hitters, what do? <laughs> what 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 do we do with giant sitters um beautiful beautifully phrased thank you for this question well no that was me phrasing it like that he said it much oh. more <laughs> he said it much more eloquently in the discord um gosh and with the, giant this is, hitters this... man like i think like for me it's as simple as this like if you are in a weekly league and you can only set lineups once steer clear like i i don't I, think I, that they're worth the effort in a lot of ways, a lot of them, at least like there's some folks that are going to be starting pretty much every single day and be in that lineup and getting at bats regularly. At the same time, there's so much platooning going on in that lineup that unless you have a deep bench and daily lineups, I don't actually think it's worth it. No, I, I do want to point out two things. One hookie is a giants fan. Yes. So th- this is a giants fan that is like looking at his team and just shrugging. Okay. But I, I think there were a couple of injuries that actually put things into a little bit of clarity because Evan Longoria's finger being hurt yep. and Lamont Wade's, what was it, an ankle injury? I believe it was, I want to say it was a hip, but I cannot okay. remember. But now, I mean, we're, we're seeing fewer platoons for as per roster resource. True. At least with with guys we care about, because Darren Ruff is now in there with the uh, the non platoon designation, and so is Wilmer Flores. I think both of their stock has gone up significantly. I do have a share of Flores, I believe, in TGFBI, um, because he was yeah, first, I mean, second, and third base eligible, which like that multi position eligibility is real sweet. Um, but yeah, so Evan Longoria's injury was surgery for a ligament. Uh, in his finger i'm not sure how long that's going to keep him down but i we could see a, a nice couple of months of playing time for wilmer flores true uh the the only risk there i guess would be tyro estrada who has had stretches of productivity before but i wilmer flores is definitely a better hitter than estrada true yeah so i guess uh wilmer flores season which is cool um love wilmer he's, he's a mofa he is a mofa i forgot about that love to see that Love to see people leave the Mets and succeed. Um, 
<laughs> you must be generally pretty happy then. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Shwipsy. That was rude. I apologize. Um, all right. And then the last question. Uh, this one is actually specifically for Shwebzy. Um, Shwebzy, could you please read Are off? Are you sure? Yeah, I'm, I'm positive it's for you. I, it, it wasn't specifically stated by Joe, but I'm like 97% sure this was directed at you. Um, Shwebzy, right, you say so. please read off your full TGFBI roster so we know who to avoid for the remainder of the draft season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone just clowning on you, rightfully so, because uh, you have quite literally, I think, the worst. Like, if you didn't have bad luck, you would have no luck at all. Uh it hurts. I know. I'm sorry, buddy. Really, my I, my my first round pick was Tatis, who is down. My second round pick was Degrom, who is now experiencing a wonky shoulder, which is bad news for him, given you know his his volatile health last year. Hmm. And uh, my my third round pick was Sandy Alcantara. So if you've got Alcantara, maybe uh, maybe start working that trade block because uh, something bad might be coming. Oh no! But. I, I digress. So I, I will not read off my entire team because that is a part of my paid premium service, which uh, that that's part of my pain trion, <laughs> which uh, that is P A I N because uh, that is all that that is all I experience when I'm doing fantasy baseball things. Can I tell y'all we we sat? I think it was a good ten minutes. We sat there and workshopped <laughs> that joke, trying to figure out what would sound the funniest. I just hope one person laughed so it was worth it. Yancey's laughing right now. Yancey Eden, friend of the pod. <laughs> I know you're listening to this right now, Yancey. We love you. Thank you for laughing at our dumb jokes all the time. Even though they're not actually that and, funny. And if he didn't laugh, don't tell us because it'll hurt our feelings. Love you, Yancey. All right, everyone. That's going to be it for this week's episode of In the Deep. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. We appreciate it. If you like the pod, feel free to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a five-star review. We would appreciate it. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at InTheDeepPL or individually at Schwebzi, S-H-W-E-B-S-I, or Bunt Singles. And we'll be back next week for our first regular season episode. Schwebzi, for the last time this preseason, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye.